When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. And welcome back into the Bama on three show. This is your host, Clint Lamb, sitting here once again with Jimmy Stein. Jimmy, how are we doing on this Monday morning? Man, Iron Bowl week. It's crazy how the season just flies by. On the other hand, it feels like you know, uh, you know, five years since we've, uh, since we've beaten Auburn, <laughs> you know, the calendar doesn't move fast enough to get to, uh, to get to Auburn week, especially, uh, when we're, we're favored what by like 18 and a half. So I'm, uh, I'm super excited to get to iron bowl week. Yeah, I am too, because it's iron bowl week and then it's sec championship. And then we finally get to figure out what's going down. Is Alabama making it? Are they not making it? What are they going to do against Georgia? Uh, Georgia's super confident. Their fans are super confident. Um, I still, you know, and, and I'm, we're not going to get too far into this, but I, I'm just one of those people, man. I still feel like Alabama has a, a real opportunity, a real shot of beating Georgia, uh, you know, when they play them in the SEC championship. Does that mean that they're going to? I'm not going to go that far. We'll get more into that next week. This is Iron Bowl week. That's what we're going to focus on the most. But just kind of looking ahead, you, you know, now that Alabama has locked up the spot in the SEC championship, now some people are starting to kind of look at it a little bit because everybody understands we're a week away from the college football playoff starting, at least for Alabama. Um, if Georgia loses, they're probably still in anyways. So it's not a losing go home for both teams. But for Alabama, you know, and I've heard some people, you know, with what happened with Oregon and what happened with Wake Forest and what happened with, you know, a lot of these teams over the weekend, there are people who are starting to point out that there are scenarios, you know, if Cincinnati loses, it's possible because, you know, you got to think if Alabama goes into the SEC championship 11-1 and one, with a much better resume than Notre Dame, can you really punish Alabama for playing far and away the top team in the country and maybe losing a close one while Notre Dame sat at home? Um, that's the question you got to ask yourself, and it's very possible that the committee would do that. They would put Notre Dame in in that scenario. But, you know, if you're thinking about it from that perspective, it, it kind of adds a wrinkle to it um, because if Alabama wasn't playing in a conference championship, they'd have the better resume. They'd have the same record as uh, Notre Dame. Now their loss would still be a very good loss on the road. But at the same time, Notre Dame lost to a playoff, you know, contender in Cincinnati. So you have to balance all that stuff out. But I think Alabama would prevail. So if you're the committee, are you punishing Alabama for playing in the game? But we'll talk more about that Wednesday. And if you got anything you want to add to that, you certainly can. Well, I mean, what's going to be frustrating if it plays out this way, uh, Clint, is imagine uh, playing Georgia very well, better than anyone has, and losing a close game by one score, whether it's three or six or seven or eight, you know, and the game's tight and, and, and Georgia's like, Ooh, that, that, you know, we're lucky to get out of that one. Uh, and then Alabama's not in the playoff knocked out because of Notre Dame for the reason that you, you brought up, Hey, if, if Notre Dame was 11 and one and they had to play Georgia, they would lose too. Yep. <laughs> you know, they would lose too. Uh, and, or secondly, Cincinnati, uh, and, and, you know, I, I don't want to deprive Cincinnati of, of a shot. Uh, they did schedule two power fives, beat them both, including a really good Notre Dame team. But uh, 
I, I just I've seen Cincinnati play multiple times. I, I'm just not convinced or or anywhere close to convinced that they're one of the four best teams. Uh, I certainly don't believe they're better than Alabama. I think if Cincinnati played Alabama 10 times in a neutral site, Alabama would win seven or eight times at least uh, of the 10. That's what, what I think. Um, so I'm going to be frustrated if Alabama loses a close game and is kept out of the playoff because Notre Dame or Cincinnati uh, is in the field and Alabama's not. That's going to be frustrating, but what won't be frustrating is uh, is is beating Auburn and getting to Atlanta and giving ourselves a chance to win. Uh, that'll be fun. Absolutely. And, you know, with, with Cincinnati, I mean, it's like I, we're not talking enough about the fact that I, I do think it's possible Houston could beat them. You know, I mean, it, it, the Houston's a good football team. And yep. so this idea that Cincinnati's definitely going to go undefeated, Notre Dame is 100% going undefeated, uh, in my opinion. But, I, I forget who they're playing this weekend, but I've checked it. Georgia Tech. I thought they played Georgia Tech this past weekend. No, no, no. You're right. Stanford. They just Stanford. Stanford's the one. Yeah, it's like they're not they're not losing to Stanford. So Notre Dame's going to be 11 and one without a conference championship or even playing in a conference game. We kind of know that. I'm pretty confident in that. Cincinnati still got Houston standing in their way, and I'm not 100 percent convinced they they win that football game. And and there's no way Houston's getting in. So there are scenarios where Alabama could lose two games and still get in. That's a Wednesday conversation after the college football playoff rankings. Today, we're really going to be focusing a lot on Alabama and Arkansas. Uh, Alabama was a 20-and-a-half-point favorite. They they win by seven. There were plenty of chances to put that game away. Alabama was unable to do so. And what we're going to do today is going to be a little bit different. I'm going to kind of walk through position by position and just give fans kind of our reactions to, to all of them. And we won't take as long as normal because it won't be as broad. We'll have a lot more that we got to cover. But, you know, and that way people can get an idea of where we sit right now heading into the Iron Bowl and then heading into the SEC championship with Alabama's roster and how they perform kind of just against Arkansas. We're not going to break down every player. It's just going to be broad position overviews, quick thoughts, and then move on. But, you know, before we get into that, what were your kind of some of your initial thoughts from the game on Saturday? Uh, you know, they were different uh, Saturday night. Saturday night, I was a little uh, – uh, down over the performance, obviously on defense. I think offensively, Alabama had really good possessions on like eight of 11 possessions. Uh, so it was really almost an A-plus performance. Uh, there was a couple of minor things, another couple of drop passes. Latu's fumble was really, you know, terrible. Uh, we didn't run the ball as well as I would have liked to have seen, but still, you know, Brian Robinson had a pretty good night. Um, uh, but overall, I would say uh, an A minus for the for the offense. Uh, obviously, you have to you have to give them an A for for the the total amount of yardage for for Bryce uh, stamping his name all over the record books and such a prominent record. That's not like a obscure record. I mean, passing yards in a game is a really big record, and uh, so it's an A minus uh, for the offense against you know a defense that's not great but also not terrible. Barry Odom gets a lot of credit and attention for the job he does and and Alabama just really ripped him up uh, one side and the other if it wasn't for Latu's uh, fumble um, you know the, the points scored would have been very impressive um, so good good night for the offense but the defense and, and I thought the defense had turned a corner coming into the Arkansas game and and if anything that game sort of proved that wrong there's still a lot of work the defense needs to do uh, a lot of errors a lot of mistakes, a lot of uh, breakdowns, 
uh, with the pass defense. The third down defense wasn't very good, and it had been good most of the season. Uh, a few individuals on defense played well. Will Anderson, of course. Dallas Turner, of course. Um, Jalen Armour Davis, I think, played well. Uh, I think Toa to Oto made a couple of bad plays, but was mostly good. Christian Harris, mostly good. Um, but overall, that's just too many points, too many, uh, too much production given up by the defense against a good offense. But, but no, I mean, Georgia shut them out. Now, I know KJ Jefferson wasn't healthy in that game, but it just, it just wasn't good enough defensively to make me believe that this Alabama team belonged to the playoff. I mean, that, that's the way I looked at it Saturday night. Uh, now, uh, let's see how they look against Auburn uh, and then against Georgia before I have a definitive opinion about whether they belong in the playoff. But, but the defense was just not great Saturday. Um, it wasn't. Uh, but, you know, to me, when you watch Arkansas, they, they've kind of been like a two-to-one, you know, run versus pass type of offense. And typically how you stop them, if they can't get positive – gains on early downs running the football they haven't been a very good offense that where Alabama screwed up because I did feel like that on early downs they were doing a pretty good job was third and fourth downs way too many third down conversions allowed way too many fourth down and some of those were, were third and long situations or, or whatever um, and it was just it was criminal uh, what ended up happening on a couple of those and granted I thought it was a great play call I think it was third and 16 they ran some kind of counter, uh, you know, quarterback run where, you know, he went off the, the right tackle and, and Alabama wasn't expecting it on, on a third and 16 and he got a first down. Sometimes they hit you for a, su a surprise and that happens. But just I felt like that Alabama's defense right now, it's just a couple of spots. You know, that's the, 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 the main thing. You know, I'd kind of wondered where Josh Joe was at from a health standpoint uh, after he got benched because he did not have a good game whatsoever. Now, sometimes you got to remember, who he was going against on a couple of those, sometimes just elite great players make elite great plays. It just happens. And Traylon Burks was the definition of that. Alabama defenders in a couple of those situations were in position. It's just that Traylon Burks is one of the best receivers in college football, and he was able to still make the catch. And you can't always blame players for that. But Josh Job, I mean, he gave up two, you know, he was targeted two times with Traylon Burks. He gave up both of those two targets for catches for 98 yards. And then, you know, but you also start talking about Warren Thompson, another receiver. Uh, so it wasn't just Traylon Burks and Warren Thompson's a very average guy. You look and, and you say that, you know, Josh Job was also targeted twice um, or, or Warren Thompson was targeted twice going against Josh Job. He gave up both of those targets as well for catches for 51 yards. So on the night, four for four, you know, on those big pop plays for 149 yards allowed, that just can't happen, and I'd wondered where he was at as far as the turf toe. I was wondering if that was kind of hindering him a little bit. The problem is, and, and it still could, but Nick Saban was asked about his benching and how Kool-Aid played and kind of what led to that decision and all that stuff. To me, if it was a turf toe issue, if, if Josh Joe was still battling through some things, I feel like Nick Saban would have identified that and said he's just not 100% healthy. We're trying to get him there and kind of take you know some of the pressure off of Job. Instead, he talked about Kool-Aid's performance and just said that he thought he played pretty well. And he said, you know, pretty much he, he made no mention of injury. And it kind of just to me, and I don't remember the exact response, but I remember coming out, out of that thinking, okay, uh, it was just a benching for poor performance. And we've seen that from Joe quite a bit uh, this year. You know, if he's not giving up a big catch, he's very, had a very hard time. He's been in position some, but he just has a very tough time converting at the catch point. 
And then also, if he's not doing that, he's committing a pass interference. So you want to give him credit uh, or, or take, you know, give him a little bit of slack when he's going against Traylon Burks, but it's been happening a lot this season. He has not been performing well. There have been games where he's had good games, but the, to me, so far, the the bad has outweighed the good. And so, you know, I guess for this first, you know, part, we're going to be talking about the defensive backs, but what was your thoughts on both Josh Job getting benched, Kool-Aid, and you can throw uh, Jalen Armour Davis in there as well, because I thought that he played a pretty good game too. Yeah, I think Armour Davis played well, and he's played well all season. He has been our most consistent defensive back. Game one through game 11, if there's a DB of, of the year award, it's going to go to Jalen Armour Davis for me, arguably Jordan Battle, but but Battle's had some not good games himself. I think Armour Davis has been good pretty much every week. It's kind of shocking that of all, of all the DBs on the team that he's the one that uh, has been the best defensive back on the team uh, this fall, and that, that continued Saturday night. Think about Job, and and I'm going to rant on him a little bit because he is a senior, and 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 it appeared to me he was bitched for performance. Now the turf toe might be affecting performance, but that's a great point. Like like you said, if it was the turf toe, I think Coach Saban would have said so. And if his turf toe is so bad that it causes him to get beat by average players, then shame on the staff for putting him out there at all because we do have a, a very competent number two in Kool Aid McKinstry who's played well in two starts and played pretty well. He gave up a catch to trail on Burks, but I'm not going to fault a true freshman no. for giving up a catch to that guy. Uh, I mean, that, that guy's literally a freak. He, if he's not a first round pick, the NFL's doing it wrong. I mean, he's, he's a great, great player. Uh, but here's the thing about Job, and, and it's, it's, it's sort of a comment, sort of a question clip, but he has start. I don't know how many starts he has off the top of my head. I would say 40. If you include you know, when he was a, a young player and we'd be a nickel or dime or whatever. But um, in terms of when Job has been a first-team player, I would say we're probably nearing 40 starts, certainly in the 30s. So that's a lot of football. He is a big, long kid, and he's going to run a 4-4 in testing. Uh, so he's big and he's quick, and that's why the NFL is going to give him a chance no matter what. But despite 30 plus starts and being six foot one or more and running a four, four, how many plays has he made? How many, and I'm not talking about just interceptions. How many times has he squatted on a route, broke on the ball and howls to pick zero times, (laughs) or it certainly feels like zero times. How many times in over 30 plus games have we just exclaimed while watching the game? What a play by Joe. Almost never. I mean, what he does, and I'm not saying this isn't a big deal because it is, what he does well is he uses his size and his speed and his length to get his guy covered. He doesn't give up a lot of receptions because his guy is generally covered. And it takes a good player to do that. And I'll I'll give him that. He's a good player because he's able to do that. But he is a five-star. He has first-round NFL measurables. And he's what I'm saying is he's not a great player. We would know it by now. We would know it if Josh Job is a great player. I, I question his ball skills. I question his playmaking ability. And, and I think that's why he's not great. He's just good. And, and a good player, a good corner, does his assignment, knows who to cover, covers his guy, doesn't give up catches. Generally, he's done a really good job of that. But Great player, no. 
No, not at all. Jalen Armour Davis does make plays, not by the bushels, but he makes plays. I will bet you Kool-Aid McKinstry over the course of his three years at Alabama is going to make a buttload of plays because he's a playmaker. His ball skills are outstanding. I say you put Job on a basketball court or volleyball court or, or let him hit a tennis ball or put him in the, in, in the batting cage. I, I don't know how well he would do. I, I just don't think he's a baller. I, I just think he's big and long and fast, and that will get him a shot in the NFL, but, but he, he won't be in that league for long unless he improves in terms of being a playmaking football player. So it's a little bit of a rant. I try not to be too tough on the kids, but he got benched, and I'm explaining why I believe he got benched. Yeah, and I think you're right. Um, I think that it, it just I feel like there's been some regression there, and I feel like that you know it, when obviously if there's regression, there's not steps being taken forward, and I feel like that's been a huge issue for him. And you know I know that he's been banged up, and turf toe is something that that bothers a lot of people. It's just you know Nick Saban said that you know he could have you know he was an emergency option a couple of weeks ago at corner, ended up coming into the game because Nick Saban said hey. You know, the toe was fine. Uh, he wasn't having any issues with it. It's just he hadn't practiced all week. So we decided to move him into a, an emergency role, and they ended up, you know, bringing him in. So if he was good back then, I, you would think he was even better now. Um, I'm not saying that it's not hindering him at all, but, you know, it, it also feels like that the, the pass interference is downfield. It feels like he panics when he's in position, you know, and, and being a cornerback, one of the best traits for a cornerback is staying under control, and, and that's both mentally and physically when you're in a position. You know, uh, it felt like that Marlon Humphrey, and I've brought this up before, had that issue a little bit at Alabama uh, where he was in great position, did everything at an elite level from a coverage standpoint until the ball was ready to be either intercepted, batted down, you know, the, the receiver was, you know, getting to the point where he was about to catch it, and then just for whatever reason, Marlon Humphrey just could not contest catches uh, at the catch point. And he allowed a lot of big plays doing that. It was his only knock. And what NFL defenses saw is, hey, if we can uh, if we can get that fixed and get him better at the catch point, he's going to be an elite corner. And they were able to get it fixed. And so there's going to be an NFL team that watches Josh Job and say, we need to keep him from panicking when uh, it's ready to make a play. But if we can do that, he's going to be a great cornerback because he does a lot of the other things extremely well. He's a physical player. He's got great size. He's got great speed, length, combination for the position so i still believe in his ability to have you know an nfl career but he's got to get some things cleaned up and i don't know what's going to happen moving forward uh, i don't know if my my guess is that job's going to continue to be the starter i don't think they're going to make that move to kool-aid i could be wrong but i wouldn't be shocked if kool-aid started getting a little bit more playing time because you know his mistakes you know he, he allowed one catch uh, against arkansas and went for 27 yards i think it was to Traylon Burks. You're a true freshman. You're going against one of the best receivers in college football. That wasn't all that shocking. It's kind of like Damian George. You could put him in at right tackle for Chris Owens, and he can make some similar mistakes, but you expect that out of him because he's a young guy who doesn't have a lot of experience. If you're Josh Job, if you're, if you're Chris Owens, those are the guys that you can't be making the kind of mistakes they were making. And we've already seen Chris Owens. You know, He's moved into that sixth offensive lineman role. Josh Joe might be the next guy, or he could bounce back and, and start to play like the player that we know he's capable of being, which is still a possibility. So I don't think Alabama's ready to give up on him by any means. And so I think that would be a little bit premature. But let's start just going down the list of just all the positions and just, you know, not too long, a little bit of back and forth on all of them. Uh, Bryce Young will start with the quarterback position. That's the one that makes the most sense. Completing almost 80% of his passes against Arkansas for a school record 559 yards and five touchdowns. 
zero interceptions, and averaged 14 point, uh, or excuse me, just I guess it was 14 yards per attempt, even incredible. And, and even though there were some times that I felt like he held on to the football too long, you live by that, you die by that, because there were plenty of times where he extended plays for a while. The one to Christian O'Leary that, that went for the touchdown, that was the one that was incredible, but he did it multiple times. He's great at extending plays. His pocket awareness is as elite uh, as I've probably seen in a very long time. And we've had some good quarterbacks at Alabama or seen some good quarterbacks at Alabama that have, you know, had great pocket awareness as well. But I just think Bryce is on a different level. I mean, he, he senses pressure and knows exactly, you know, when to start to bail. You know, a lot of quarterbacks sense the pressure, but they don't start, start they start that slide movement a little bit early and allowing the defensive line to react to it. With him, he's waiting to the last possible second, and he's able to you know slide out of it and escape it. And other defensive linemen are trying to counter at that point, and it's just it's, it's very smooth. And he always keeps his eyes downfield. Just a, a phenomenal performance from Bryce Young. Yeah, I mean, it's a, my, my only knock would be that it wasn't perfect. I mean, <laughs> and who's ever been and whoever will be, uh, it wasn't perfect, but it was about as close to perfect as you're going to get uh, from a college football player. Uh, his poise, uh, his leadership on the field is fantastic. I mean, in terms of keeping the offense calm, keeping the offense moving the ball, uh, making a play, I think he's doing so much better job of incorporating his legs into the game, but at the same time, not really risking big hits. Uh, that That's the thing. I mean, yeah, you, you know, move the ball with your feet, get out of bounds, get on the ground. Uh, but make a play with your feet. Uh, that that play with his feet that got called back because of the hold was just phenomenal. I mean, just phenomenal. I thought it was a Sports Center top ten highlight. And then, of course, we're holding behind the play that had nothing to do with it. And and those those should never be called, in my opinion. But uh, just just phenomenal, great. I mean, he, he that's a big school record. I mean, there's some sort of obscure school records. You know, most most passes completed on the eighth day of a month, you know, that sort of a thing, but no single game passing yardage. Uh, that's a, a huge school record. And, uh, gosh, if anybody's going to beat it, it's going to be Bryce. Uh, he's, I, I think it's getting close to where one, one fun thing when the season over Clint is to start the ranking process of, okay, where, where does Bryce's season rank in relation to max 2020 or to, uh, in 18 or 19. I mean, you know, uh, uh, or, you know, or, or any of the greats that we've had. Um, yeah, just great. Great. We, we're, we're, we're blessed with, uh, with one, not just one of the great quarterbacks, but one of the great players in college football playing quarterback for us. And, and thankfully we get him at least for one more season. Well, and I'll say this for me, I feel like that there are times I feel like on that sack, that was one that you would run around. You knew you were in a bad position. I think maybe he realized he was in a bad position too late um the, the, he already had multiple defensive linemen closing in on him he wasn't going to just turn and throw the football out of bounds like I don't I just think that you know that and that's going to happen sometimes um I do think that he's held on to the football a little bit too long at other points but when you see him make the plays that he makes it's like you got to take the bad with the good I'm sorry it's not always going to be good and that's what I have to remind myself of is do you really want him not making those plays that he made to Christian Leary because you want him to play a lot more you know, uh, sound football where he's getting rid of it when he needs to, you know, and there are times where maybe he could have made a play, but he decided to give up on it too early when you know what he's capable of when he doesn't give up on it. You know, those are the kind of things that you kind of, you know, struggle with internally 
And I think that, you know, it's kind of like I pointed out on Twitter after that play to Christian Leary. That was the style of play that made him one of the top players in the country coming out of high school and the number one quarterback. But what fans also need to understand is Bryce Young is not a perfect product from a throwing standpoint either. He Right now, to me, I don't think he throws guys open consistently. I think that he's, he's got to see it, and then he delivers it. And he, he's got a good arm. He, he throws good, good balls. But when he starts, and once the game starts slowing down even more, and he gets even more comfortable, and he starts throwing guys open, this guy is going to be incredible. Because all these other things that he's doing, he's starting to learn when to use his legs. He's timely in that. The, the, the touchdown run that got called back was incredible. It just very impressive performance, both, you know, using his legs and maybe could have used them a little bit more. Sure. But, you know, he's using them when he you know has to and it works. And he's also a fantastic passer. And when he starts throwing guys open, and just anticipating a little bit more, he's going to go to a whole new level. And the only thing that is even going to remotely be a knock on this guy you know, as far as being a draft prospect is the fact that he's under 200 pounds and he's, you know, in my opinion, he's definitely going to check in under six foot. He's listed at six foot. I stood next to the guy um, in tennis shoes and he was wearing cleats and he's not six foot. You know, he might be 5'11", might be 5'10 and a half. I don't know, but that's going to be the only knock on the guy. Absolutely incredible. But let's talk a little bit about the guys who are catching those footballs because they have both put up incredible performances too. And I say both because you know, it was, it was, he distributed the football to a lot of guys, you know, it got a lot of guys targets, but the target share, you know, 27 out of 40, which is roughly, you know, 67, 68% of the target share went to either Jamison Williams or John Mechie. And what's crazy is between those two players, they had three drops, but they also had 18 combined catches for 363 yards and four touchdowns. And Jamison Williams, his big pop, you know, big play ability downfield vertically, he scored from 79 yards out, 32 yards out, and 40 yards out. Just a big play waiting to happen. He has to have that, you know, drop at the beginning of the game. I don't know what it is, but he puts one on the ground that he shouldn't, and then he's like, okay, it's time to play. And then he continues to, or proceeds to just shred defenses. So much fun to watch. And what John Mechie does on the short to intermediate stuff, being kind of you know, uh, a guy who's going to be able to rack up double-digit catches pretty consistently. You know, they complement each other perfectly, and they complement what Bryce Young likes to do, which is take those shots downfield and then also work the short to intermediate stuff. He can work all three levels extremely well, and he's got a a dominant guy who can do, um, you know, that can win at all three levels. So very impressive performance from the receivers, uh, too. Oh, absolutely. And I I, I turned the corner with those two guys, and I'm going to say both of them, uh, I realize Jamison's, you know, b- better. If you want to, you know, Jamison's the bigger playmaker. He's got the uh, uncanny trait. I think Mechie's fast. I think Mechie's good. But Jamison's speed sets him apart. I mean, that that's that's what's going to make Jamison a first-round pick, most likely, I think, is just his, his flat linear speed. He's probably going to run a sub 4-4, I would guess, at, at, at a pro day. Um, where I've turned the corner is this. Why are, why are they not as good as as the Devonte Waddle, uh, Rugs and Judy and Ridley, and 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 Amari and, and 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 you know Julio that that list of fantastic receivers we've had since 08, Why are they not on it? Because their production is as good or better. Uh, they make plays against the best teams on the schedule. Uh, now they're consistently both putting up hundred yard games every week. Um, and, 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 and we got two of them and not just one, but to me, it's like, you know what, 
we've done it again. We've continued to field multiple elite receivers. I think they both deserve first team all SEC. I don't know that they'll both get it because this league's full of so many good receivers uh, like Traylon Burks. But uh, I, I think Jamison and Mechie both are elite players. Uh, Jamison, like I said, I believe will go in the first round. I don't think Mechie will, but I, it's not because he's not great. I, I think Mechie's probably not going to run quite the 40 time he needs to get in the first round. So he's more of a day two pick. But man, we sure are ruined as a fan base if we go, oh, Mechie's not that good. He's a day two pick. Uh, we're ruined as a fan base if that's if that's what we're saying now. Because I remember Alabama football teams that we thought were pretty good in the past, you know, had nobody taken the first three rounds. Uh, Mechie's a really good player. Uh, Jamison is a great player. But I, I think they're both elite. And while they might not top the Devontae, Waddle, Calvin Ridley list, they're on it for me, both of them. I completely agree. And and what's wild, when you look at Bryce Young's performance and you look at the receiver's performance and look, think about how Arkansas likes to play defense. They're a drop 18. You know, there were a lot of times where Bryce Young had, you know, quite a bit of time to throw because Arkansas was only sending three guys. And when you do that, the reason you're doing that is because you want to be able to take away the passing game. And Alabama was still finding plenty. I mean, he set a record against a team that was literally designed to stop the pass. You know, to me, like, this was the kind of defense or kind of, you know, and, and they're good. They're better, in my opinion, a lot better than Ole Miss. But, you know, the, the Ole Miss and the uh, style of defense and the, the the Arkansas styles of defenses, I would expect that to be the kind of game where Brian Robinson setting, setting rushing records, not Bryce Young. And, you know, Brian Robinson had a pretty good game, and we'll get to that here in a second. But just the fact that they were able to perform like they did against a defense that was really designed. I mean, Jamison Williams and the fact that he's been able to, you know, take the top off of defenses pretty much each and every week for Alabama, Arkansas was out there trying to prevent that from happening. And they were in decent position on one of his deep touchdown passes. Like they, you know, he wasn't trailing by himself, but I mean, Jamison Williams just straight up ran by the safety. I mean, just absolutely destroyed him. You know, vertical speed is real. I mean, it's just, it's incredible to watch. But the, the other guy I wanted to bring up because there's not many more, you know, receivers that are, you know, worth spending a lot of time on. But I have to give a huge nod to Ja'Cory Brooks. He's done it the right way. You know, um, he's he's put his head down. He's went to work every single day. He's a, a good receiver. But the reason that he was on the football field, in my opinion, or one of the big reasons is he was blocking his ass off. And, and there were several plays, uh, not several, but a couple of plays where I felt like his blocks were pretty key or crucial. He only had one catch for 12 yards, but the entire reason that he's getting playing time over Trayshawn Holden and Slade Bolden and all these people, in my opinion, at this point in the season, is the fact that he is willing to do all the little things that it takes, put his head down and go to work. What did you think about Ja'Cory Brooks? No, I love how you say he's do going about it the right way. He's earning it. He's earning it. Nothing was given to him, despite the fact he was a five-star, despite the fact some people considered him the number one wide receiver prospect in America. He didn't show up and pout when he wasn't in the starting lineup. All he did was show up and with the willingness to play on special teams, mm -hmm. to, to, be, to be the blocker. And, and, and I have no doubt, based on those things that seem unrelated to being a wide receiver one, they are directly related to being a wide receiver one because it proves that this guy's going to work on it until he's good enough. 
Yep. He's going to work at it until he's good enough. And and th- there will be, obviously, this upcoming offseason, there's going to be a lot of talk about, oh, no, the receivers are gone. We only had two, and now they're gone, uh, assuming Mechie and Jameson are both off to the NFL, which, which they likely are. Uh, Ja'Cory Brooks could be a wide receiver one next fall that I'd have a lot of confidence in, despite the fact I haven't seen him catch balls against LSU, against Tennessee, against Ole Miss, against Florida. Uh, I don't need to see him run routes and catch balls. I saw that in his high school tape. Uh, I've seen enough to convince me he is a starter next year and he will be a high-quality football player soon. Absolutely. Completely agree with you. Uh, I mean, it, it, that that's the kind of attitude that you hope that everybody has. Not everybody has it. And and so you have to, you know, a lot of people will look at that and say, well, why are you spending a lot of time praising that? That should be the what the expectation. It's like, well, that's not what ends up happening. That's not what we always get. So we need to take the time to appreciate the ones who are willing to do it. And considering his talent coming out of high school and, and the fact that he could have been a diva about not getting to play and, and all this stuff, he has gone about it the right way, and he's now on the football field as a result because he said, hey, me getting on the field and making a bunch of, of, of fantastic catches, we got guys that can do that. We got a guy that can win vertically. We got a guy that can win on short to intermediate stuff that's elite. Where I can contribute to this team is on special teams. It's blocking for those guys and creating opportunities. And then when I get a pass thrown my way or a target you know, uh, here or there, make the most of your opportunities, and he's been doing all of that so far. Give him a ton of credit. Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the tight ends. You know, Cameron Latou, three catches for 58 yards. He averaged almost 20 yards a catch. One, a positive, I guess, for both the tight ends. Uh, they got four targets, and they caught all four of them. You know, so no drops. Uh, Jaleel Billingsley only had one catch for 12 yards, but 100% catch rate nonetheless. The only problem is, is that fumble, and it was crucial. I mean, that game is completely different if Cameron Latou doesn't put that football on the ground. And so, you know, overall, I like the fact that they were trending in the right direction. They were catching the things that were being thrown their way. But uh, how big of a deal was that fumble? Oh, it was a huge, huge deal. I mean, it it literally could have helped cost us the game. That touchdown may have put the game away. Instead, we didn't score. And Arkansas ends up keeping it close literally until the very end of the game, in part because of that really bad play. Turnovers are just really, really bad. I think sometimes at Alabama, we almost forget how bad they are. And that's because more than half the time we're destroying whoever we're playing and the game's not close. So turnovers don't matter Uh, in the NFL. Basically every single game is close to the point that you can just look at turnover, see who was plus or negative in in the turnover battle. And that team probably won the game Mm -hmm. in every single instance, because in the NFL, all the games are close. So look, uh, that game was close against Arkansas in large part because of that really bad, turnover and I say it was bad in the sense that it was just very poor uh, ball security and he's an older kid that should uh, know better and I know that he does and uh, and he'll get it corrected other than that uh, good night uh, a, a good night for the tight ends it was and you know I I, be- I still believe in their ability uh, to get things corrected I don't think Cameron too is going to be doing that a lot and the fact that he you know saw his usage you know a little bit of an uptick in his usage and the fact that he was averaging 19.3 yards per catch he had a, a nice little I want to say you know what was his long I think it went for yeah 28 yards I mean that's a big you know explosive play that really helps the offense and keeps the chains moving and and helps um, you just can't put the ball on the ground um, next uh, position we'll talk about the running backs now we've talked about the passing game I thought going in the running game you know Brian Robinson was going to have uh, a huge performance and he had 122 rushing yards he had 18 receiving yards so on 30 touches he ended up uh, having 140 yards which is really solid but when you actually watch the game 
it was decent. Uh, now, granted, he received uh, the lion's share of the workload. Uh, 27 of the 28 carries to running backs went to him, and then three of the four targets that went to running backs went to him. So he, 94% of the touches that went to a running back went to Brian Robinson, and I think that's probably going to be you know what happens moving forward. What do you think? Yeah, solid B, a solid B. I can't give him an A because with that amount of touches and the way Arkansas defends by dropping eight so much of the time, uh, maybe it could have, should have been a bigger night for him than it was, but it was a really good night. Uh, I've joked that that sort of the, his instructions, you know, from the boss are, hey, we need you to be the workhorse back. We need you to, to play all game. We need you to touch it 25, 28 times, uh, you know, uh, tonight and, and carry the ground uh, game. And he did that. So you want to give him a, a positive grade and, and, and then and say, oh, yeah, and stay healthy. And he apparently did that, although I'm sure he spent Sunday, uh, you know, part of the time in the hot tub and part of the time in the cool tub because he, he I'm sure, took a little bit of a, a pounding there. But uh, a good, solid uh, game, not fantastic. I wonder if having this offensive line uh, that isn't premier, so many of the offensive lines at Alabama of late have been elite. This one is not. Uh, and Brian is a guy that lacks natural burst. He's a guy that needs a few steps before he gets up to full speed. And sometimes our offensive line doesn't grant him those steps uh, before contact is made. Uh, so you, you wonder if, uh, you know, this, this wasn't the best offensive line for, for Brian to be, to be behind. But uh, B, uh, solid, good, uh, one more step towards uh, what, we, what we believe is a day two selection in the draft. And uh, I don't, you know, for as much as we say, where would we be without Bryce? I'll say, where would we be without Brian? Uh, he, he, he is the ground game. That's never been more apparent in a night that he gets, uh, you know, 95% of the touches. Yeah, and and one thing is, A, early in the game, I felt like he was playing a little bit timid. It almost felt like that he, you know, what was instructed or told, hey, we, we really can't afford to lose you. And he was almost playing like he was trying to not get hurt. Um, and then he started kind of getting a, a, a rhythm going and started playing a lot better. And he went right back to being that just that physical punishing runner that Alabama has needed from him. And I saw somebody on Twitter uh, compare him to Le'Veon Bell, and I love the comparison, you know, from a size perspective. Now, Le'Veon Bell at Michigan State was 244 pounds. He was 6'1", 244, lost a bunch of weight when he got into the NFL, down to about 225, which is roughly where Brian Robinson Jr. is at. And, you know, the fact that they run – that they're good receivers out of the backfield. They run with patience. There was one particular run where Brian Robinson Jr., just incredible patience, just letting things work out in front of him and then seeing the hole and hitting it. A lot of guys would not have had that kind of patience, and it ended up allowing him to have a big play. Now, the last thing that we'll talk about, because what we're going to do is break this into two parts because we've gone extremely long, uh, and we've already done the, the defensive backs, but we'll do that, or we'll dive into the rest of the defensive positions uh, on the next episode. But, the last thing that we'll talk about here is the offensive line because that's the other part of this. I thought Brian Robinson played a very good game, but if you don't have the blocking, you don't have the blocking. And Damian George, for his first start at right tackle, or not his first start, I guess it was his first quality start against a quality opponent. Uh, you know, Nick Saban said that he played well, called him a big old powerful guy there at right tackle, which is what you're looking for at that position. Uh, was he perfect? No, um, not by any means. And when you really look at it, and I went and looked at the numbers, Alabama tried to run the football to the right side a lot early in the game, and they were having very little success with it. And when you actually look at the numbers, at the end of the day, Brian Robinson, he rushed nine times 
for 30 yards, averaging 3.3 yards per carry off the right guard or wider, meaning the right guard, the right tackle, or you know if there's a tight end on that side running off the tight end to the right side, only 3.3 yards per carry. Uh, if you look at when they started running it to the left side later on, uh, 11 carries for Brian Robinson Jr. for 68 yards to the left guard or wider, which was a 6.2 yard per carry average. So when they started running behind Evan Neal and and JVN Cohen and and you know whoever was playing tight end on the left side, they had a lot more success running the football, almost double the yards per carry average. And then the, the you know running it through the, you know trying to run it through the a gaps, they only averaged 3.4 yards per carry. We kind of knew knew that it was going to be tough sledding with John Ridgeway in there at at nose tackle for Arkansas, very good player, clogs the a gaps extremely well. So that wasn't all that big of a shock, but Alabama does need to be able to run the football a little bit better, in my opinion, both, you know, up the middle and to the right side when they play some of these other teams or they'll get to, uh, you know, you'll be able to predict what they're doing a little too easily. Yeah. Uh, I love those numbers. They, they say a lot and, and, and watching the game, you could almost guess that. Uh, I, I say the offensive line is a C, uh, when they rush more than three, they did get some pressure on Bryce. Uh, he, he was sacked. Uh, some of that's on Bryce uh, for holding on the ball too long. Uh, but but there was pressure on Bryce when they rushed more than three. Uh, there wasn't the room in the run game you would think there would be based on how Arkansas plays defense. And uh, and, and and Damian George was, was you know, far from a disaster, uh, especially considering it was a first start, like you said, against a quality opponent. I think he did fine, and he's only going to get better from here, which is why you have him out there, because he's going to get better. The other guy wasn't going to get any better. He is what he is. Uh, Damian's going to get better, and that's why he's out there. But uh, but on, on the same token, on a record-setting night, and you score, uh, you know, you you score the points that you did. Uh, you rack up the yardage that you did. It's it's Bryce's uh, school record night. Uh, you can't say it's an F or a D because you know Bryce and, and Jameson and Mechie and Brian. They don't put up those numbers without the offensive line helping. Uh, so, uh, so I'll say it's a C plus uh, for the offensive line. Uh, not great. Needs to be better, but certainly not terrible. I think that line really suffers. You know, when, when, when on social media, Alabama fans are complaining about the team and complaining about the offensive line. No one uh, gets it more than the offensive line in terms of like we've been so elite for so long the moment the offensive line backed up a little bit, it was going to feel much worse than it actually is. And I think that's what our offensive line is. Yeah, it's not nearly as good as it was. But, fellas, it's it's not that bad. Go watch four games in a row of – I'm just picking a team. Go watch Missouri play five games in a row – and watch their offensive line, and, and you'll see what not good really looks like. I mean, that's what not good really looks like. Alabama's not as good as they were, but they're not a terrible offensive line. They're just arguably terrible compared to the mega elite units we've put on the field. Absolutely. All right, well, that's going to do it for this first part. We're going to do a second part with the defense, like I said. And, you know, I'll decide whether we put that out immediately. Probably going to put it out tomorrow and just combine it because I don't feel like we'll spend as long on that and then combine it with a couple of mailbag questions. Uh, we won't do as many this week, but that'll be kind of how we do it. But, Jimmy, I appreciate you hopping on here with me. This has been fun, uh, and we'll get to the defense soon. So we appreciate you guys listening in to the Bama on 3 show. 
I'm your host, Clint Lamb. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.